Are you ready? It's that time! Hello and welcome to all of the poor souls that have decided to tune in to yet another episode of Made Buns and Jesus. You sound I... so defeated already. <laughs> I am your uh, furrier or hairier host, Pastor Ben Olschlager in Lake Orion, Michigan. Um, actually, currently I'm in Pontiac, but whatever. Uh, my co-host is Pastor Josh Laborious of Edgewater Lutheran Church in Eastdale, California. Um, and we have a very special and perhaps uh, very nerdy guest on today, Josh. We do. Am, am I describing that correctly? <laughs> That's an understatement. Let, let, uh, let's be I, clear. I, there I, is no perhaps. Okay. I Let am me. very nerdy. <laughs> Okay, this is this is already happening. Um, okay, for those of you listening, I am I am the second host of the show, Joshua Laborious, and we say we we tell you in our shameless plug section of the show every episode that you can you can come on and talk about whatever you want. If you want to come on the show, we'll have you on the show, and you can just go. So this is this is an instance where that's happening a little bit. Um, Not a little I guess bit. there was some direction, but on on the show with us today is my oldest younger brother, Ian. Uh, Ian's a delightful person. Uh, he's an engineer out in in Tucson. Uh, I, I'll give you his address, but I think that would be creepy, so I'm not going to do it. Um, uh, like I said, a delightful person who loves Lord of the Rings more than you'd think would be possible. Um, he's he we had a conversation yesterday where he was telling me about his tentative plans to dedicate an entire bookshelf just to his Lord of the Rings book. And you might say, aren't there only three Lord of the Rings books? No, no, there are not. There are so many books and he has so many of them. I think uh, and I share an Amazon account with my lovely brother. And every time I go on and look at my order history to help sort my budget out, there are like four new orders for brand new Lord of the Rings books. So there, there are there are a minimum of twenty one books relating to Middle Earth and Lord of the Rings. So so that's there, a, there might be more that I have not found yet. So and. <laughs> By that introduction, if you haven't guessed already, that's what we're talking about today. A very, 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 very small sliver of the Lord of the Rings. And if you haven't seen the movies, which for the Lord of the Rings, I'd say, you know, they're not the books, but they're pretty darn close. They, they do an excellent job. If you haven't seen the movies or read the books, pause, go educate yourself, come back and listen to the podcast. Within that pause, uh, 
don't just watch the regular versions of the movie. Always extended edition. You, yes, dedicate 13 hours of your life to the extended <laughs> edition versions of those movies. And marathon through it. Fellowship of the Rings, you might fall asleep. Have someone there to wake you up. Okay. I've so never for... met anyone who falls asleep during Two Towers or Return of the King. So for our listeners, um, Ben and Ian are both giant Lord of the Rings nerds. I enjoy the movies. I do. But I will be playing the role of mediator and voice of a normal person. So if, <laughs> you don't have to marathon the movies, okay? You can, you can take them one at a time. At even that, you know, maybe you need to take one disc at a time for the extended editions. And Josh, uh, Josh nobody yes. has a DVD player anymore. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. You're old. I don't have a DVD player. I have an Xbox. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think the more proper thing is no one has the extended editions on DVD anymore. Anyway, and as this me, is my younger brother and we interact as siblings do, I do reserve the right. And if you ever hear him cut out, it's because I muted him. And it's already happened it's... once. And it's probably going to happen again. So. so also, as a note, just to rein in Ian a little bit today, we've set him with a very specific challenge. Um, because if, if we hadn't, between him and I, we would be here for the next six hours. Um, and I so can't his, do that. I got a cake to bake. Like I said. And so his <laughs> challenge is specifically this. We told him to pick his favorite character storyline from the movies. They have more broad appeal than the books at this point. So we figured it, it, a few more of you might be familiar. Uh, and from that character line, uh, Tolkien is, is famous for the fact that his books have a lot of Christian uh, allusions and theology and ethics baked into them throughout their storylines. And so uh, we have challenged Ian to educate <laughs> us on what Christian ethics or theology or uh, whatever else we can pull out of his favorite character. Uh, and so Ian... As dangerous as this is for me to do, where are we going today? Okay, we're going to go through and talk about Aragorn. And a couple things about him. I think we can break it down to how he is similar to us as like just generic people and the generic like struggles with temptation he has, struggles with losing faith, that kind of stuff. But we're also going to look at him as a Christ-like figure in the aspect of Christ being the king and coming back to claim that crown. So I think the best place to start is start with him as a, like, who he is as a character for people who don't know, and then move from there. That seems fair. So, summary of Aragorn as a character, he is a member of a long-lived race of men 
called Dodunadine, whose lifespans generally extend into the 200 plus year range. During the Lord of the Rings, he is 87. Played by been, Viggo Mortensen. Yes, also that. He's Instead very handsome, gentlemen. But he... Wait, 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 hold on. Did you just say instead of Nick Cage? Yes, Nick Cage was auditioned for the role of Aragorn. What? How dare he? First of all, how dare he? <laughs> and we're already on the tangent. But no, continue, continue. Just, how he, dare he? He is the last remaining heir of the royal line of the Dunedain who ruled the kingdoms of Arnor, which is in the north of Middle-earth, and Gondor, which is in the south of Middle-earth. So, what you're telling me, long-lived and, and like, a a monarch, he's basically Queen Elizabeth, is what I'm hearing. A little bit more active. (laughs) Uh, He, his parents both died, and he was raised by elves with the knowledge of his heritage and the lessons learned from that. And he follows through, he is a guide through the Fellowship of the Ring for the Ring Bears, the Ring Bear Frodo and the party after Gandalf dies in Moria. And then the party separates, and he goes from the role of guide for the fellowship to the role of king and leader of men. As he goes and he rallies Rohan, he rallies Gondor, etc. So that's kind of his story arc. He goes from a guide to following up. Keep going, um, keep going. <laughs> so we're we're going to. I'm not going there, Josh, because I don't know enough to go there. Uh, let me let me let me throw a few. <laughs> I'm going to do it despite Ben's vigorous head shaking. Okay, so there's a theological concept, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, called the pre-incarnate Christ. Um, and it's it's kind of this idea that Jesus was, a well, I mean, we know Jesus was around prior to him being born from Mary, Right. Uh, John opens up saying the word was with God, the word was God, the word is talking about Jesus, and the word is there at the beginning. Okay, so the the idea of the pre-incarnate Christ is that you can look at different instances throughout the Old Testament and you see God at work. And there are some instances where we say, was that was that Jesus? Right? And and for all of those, you can't say that authority like because it you can't say it authoritatively. Because it never comes out and says, oh, and this was Jesus. Um, I was in a Hebrews class at the seminary at one point that got derailed for a very long time about whether or not Melchizedek was the pre-incarnate Christ. Um, But when you say Aragorn at first serves as a guide, 
that's kind of what it what I think of in me is this idea that you know Christ in, in the Old Testament God Christ is um, for Israel walks alongside as a guide because um, you ha- you don't have the fullness of the revelation in Jesus Christ yet. So, yeah. So I can be contributing. Guess, there you go, Josh. Yeah. Uh, I guess you could definitely say that for his story, for his arc, because I'm trying I, to pat him on the head. It's okay. <laughs> my 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 pastor has referenced the pre-incarnate Christ, and like some he's like some people even think that maybe the pillar of fire might have been that. And that was a guide for 40 years for the Israelites. So I could see it. But the, and I never thought of it like that. So in, in about 15 minutes, it'll finish processing. And I'll be <laughs> able to like go a little further on that one. But the big one for me is like, as Christ the King, like when he comes back, part of what he is going to be doing is a re like reuniting us as a people, like bringing back the dead Christians and making us one people again, not separated by death or anything else. And the other side of like there is going to be an accounting where the evil like the people who did not follow christ and just rejected him will be destroyed get their due whatever you want to say and you can definitely follow that as aragorn kills a lot of orcs like it's part of his job description he kills a lot of the things that are like essentially lesser evil incarnate. So like just a I've pinch reading, of evil incarnate. Well, I've been I've been reading the machine readings, which do like four chapters a day. And right now it's in Revelations. So the orcs would not be the equivalent of the beast or the Lady of Babylon. The orcs would be the equivalent of all the people who have their hands and foreheads insignia'd with 666. Like, that would be the orcs equivalent. They're not the big players. To be players, clear, all of our listeners, there. if you want a podcast on Revelation, that's a whole that's a whole separate beast we're not touching yes. at today. I, I'm just using it as like a ben. put in perspective. I'm not going there. <laughs> but why, why do you accuse me of this Josh? he said he said the he referenced the mark of the beast and i saw that look in your eye like you wanted to go after it down boy so there's there's that aspect there's also the aspect of he does have people throughout the fellowship that he kind of takes under his wing and leads them and teaches them how to lead, essentially. You see this with, to some degree, 
Aomir and Theoden, especially in the movies, you have Theoden at a point despairs at Helm's Deep, where he's like, we've lost, it's done. And you have Aragorn saying, no, it's not. Let's go do something. And then you get the wonderful ride-out scene that makes everybody happy. But in that, you kind of get what Jesus does with his disciples, where, like, specifically Peter is what I'm thinking of, where he despairs, he rejects Jesus three times. When Jesus comes back, he holds Peter back into the fold, gives him hope, gives him that spirit of God to do what he needs to do, essentially. So there's that to a degree. You also have the descent through death that you see. Aragorn goes through what's called the paths of the dead with the oath breakers, the people people who are suffering a living death because they they're scary sworn, green ghosts in the movie they they swore an oath to be there when called upon and then when called upon they went and hid in the mountains you and then what army this one yes this one yes got team <laughs> I want to I want to take a second cuz I think a lot of the things you've brought up are are really they're excellent illustrations and I think this this is a hot take but I think the the way the movie represents them is kind of, for for the purposes of imagery and connecting it to the the work and person of Christ. I think it's probably even better than the books, right? Because it gives you a more or less universal image you can point to. Um, and I'm thinking specifically when um, in the final battle, we're talking, you know, Aragorn's leading the people of men, the, 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 he's leading all the, the dudes people. out. He's yes. leading the dudes out to go fight Sauron or Sauron's army. Um, and I'm just thinking how how they how they portray the ultimate victory, right? Where the ground kind of like shatters and swallows up all of the all of the all of the bad guys without touching the good guys. Um, I think that's a powerful image for how we can think about um, Christ as victor. Yeah ultimately because like even in the individual sense like everything that is evil and broken and imperfect about each of us will is be removed gone. but he's going to leave the the parts that he has sanctified um yeah which i would have gotten there i'm slowly going through the path here i'll just shut up <laughs> man you look like you have something to say yeah let's circle back even a little bit i I think one of the things that I find, I don't know, very Christ-like about Aragorn's character in, in the movies, especially, um, he, I mean, initially, you find out in, in the first couple movies that he wants 
very little if nothing to do with being king um so in that way he's he's like laid aside that aspect of his life uh his his chance at glory and power for the sake of uh serving in the fellowship uh yeah. being a guide um being a uniter of of the the free men um yeah. And, and so in, in that way, there's a lot of parallels between his willingness to lay aside his glory, to humiliate himself, theological term, not uh, the way that we think about it in. in um, I mean, also English the term. way. I mean, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Like he's looked down upon by the people in Greece and True. their people in Greece. True. Like, to clarify for everyone, what Ian is trying to hint at is the people in Bree are like dumb rednecks, and they look at Aragorn and they're like, "That guy's a punk." Yeah, basically. Um, so, like, he he is is taking on this this servant king role from yeah. the beginning, um, and there's a a lot of very Christ like parallels to that, and that. You know, as as you were starting this, I was a little dubious about Aragorn's Christ-like nature, because the the easy parallel in, in the Lord of the Rings for a Christ-like is Gandalf. Is Gandalf on the third Which, day? Look to the look to the east. Okay, yeah, Gandalf. That's goes, almost a quote from Revelation. That's yeah, how exactly, close that is, right? <laughs> or uh, I mean, the actual book quote might actually be a quote from Revelation. <laughs> like they can plagiarize the Bible. That, yeah. there, are, there are some things in the Lord of the Rings that are just like straight, I read this in the Bible somewhere. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so I just want to throw that in there. I think like there, there's a level of, of Aragorn as, as a humiliated king that that even builds on that character premise. Now, yeah. I got a question, and I don't know. I don't actually know where I want to go with this. So if you want to just ignore it, we can move on. But when you were leading up to this idea of, you know, Christ dies, and, and three days later, he he rises from the dead, and he kind of signals his victory over sin, death, and, and the devil. And you connected that to Aragorn as he walked through the paths of the dead. Yes. But my before you said that the immediate place my head went was when he falls off the cliff everyone thinks he's dead and he rolls into helm's deep a few days later like what's up guys by the way there's a giant army over there i mean yes but it... i mean in neither instance is he actually dead which i think is the oh, problem because yeah. because jesus actually died but yes and this is, so there's another thing with the paths of the dead that I'm going to pull something from the book because it kind of puts it into perspective is that it was called the paths of the dead for a reason in that unless you were the king and heir of Gondor and Arnor, you would not make it through because there's actually a prince of Rohan that at one point tries to use it as like a shortcut to get to Gondor. And they 
they actually run across his skeleton because he you can't make it. The the ghosts that are there slash there's also kind of a temple to Satan in there. Or the like the Middle Earth equivalent of Satan. <laughs> that like anyone who is not the heir to the to the throne and to the crown will die there. It's a guarantee, which is why it got the name the Paths of the Dead. That would preach. So that that is that is where like yes he doesn't die, but if he was anyone else, you die and you don't come out. So, as far as everyone is concerned, he gone. But, so you, and from the movie, yes, the falling off the cliff also functions as that. Because in that, in his showing up, he also is essentially a savior. Because if he didn't show up and say, hey, there's an army coming, they would not be prepared, and they would have been even more wrecked than they were. So, but we also, so, after the Paths of the Dead, he goes through, he stop, he heads off a reinforcement army, and then shows up and saves the city, which is kind of what Christ does. He saves, he saves us from that evil that we are 100% sure we can't win. You have, in the movie, even with Rohan showing up, you have a almost guaranteed loss because... Rohan can't beat giant elephants. It just won't happen. They can try and they can take down a couple, but they're not going to win. And Gondor was already up to like the fourth level, which means they're also kind of screwed. Because that's three levels left and not a lot of soldiers for those levels. So you have him being that savior for the battle as for that battle as well, where he is who comes in and brings brings that hope, that salvation. And then, and I think, aside from the ending battle that we've already gone over a little bit, just call me a there, spoiler. There's another part of the movie that I feel like is possibly his most Christ-like state is he stares eye to eye with Sauron and is able to confront him and taunt him. And while it kind of falls apart because he ends up dropping the plant here, which is the glass ball he uses to look at Sauron or crystal or whatever material it is, well, the material is in question, but that's something. <laughs> uh, 
he he looks at Satan in the eye and he doesn't blink. The he ends up dropping it not because he himself is afraid or in danger, but because those he loves are threatened. And that's why he ends up dropping. So on Sen, like, creates a picture of the one he loves dying. And that is what forces Aragorn to drop the plank. Palantir. So you think that's a more Christ-like image than his coronation, even? I think the cor... See, because the coronation is weird in that right after he's coronated, he bows to the hub. So That's I think fair. that that kind of messes up that image. In that when Christ is king, he's not bowing down to anyone. Hmm. Is that you, Ben? Or, or yeah, is, do you have a me. broken piece of technology in the background? That was me. I have a feeling you're going to say, what about the father? So not even that. Like, what is our what is our image of, of uh, God in Revelation 21? And God shall wipe every tear from their eye. Like, I think even within the, the, the new creation, like, God is an incredibly loving and caring God, as well as an all, all powerful and all glorious God. And so even though he will be reigning in glory, I think it's, I think it's still safe to say that he will be like loving and serving his creation, his well, new creation. Uh, and, I, I yeah, think that yeah, well, because, and I think it would be different if the hobbits like actually were like, okay, bet we're gonna take over gondor now like we're in charge but it's more of like a symbolic gesture i feel like well it's not actually ceding his authority to the hobbits yeah but still for for the image you're talking about ben i don't think that him bowing to the hobbits is that image i think that image and it might just be in the extended edition so all you scrubs who haven't watched it watch it is when he goes to the house of yeah scrubs please don't unsubscribe from our podcast <laughs> uh, to, to be honest i'm surprised josh hasn't muted me yet for the second you know time what? me too me too <laughs> but the image of him being of what you're talking about ben i think it's better portrayed when he's in the houses of healing and he's actually in his kingly capacity going around and tending the wounded from the battle and healing them because historically the kings of Gondor, well, and Arnor to the degree when Arnor existed, the, the kings of those nations, while they led the nation, each capital city had what were called houses of healing, essentially the hospital for the city. 
and the king was also tasked to be present there because they had a ability to heal like no other person in the city. There was something about the royal line of Numenor, which is also to say the Dunedain. There was something about that royal line where they just had this innate ability to heal others of hurt, whether that be physical or emotional or whatever it was, they just had that ability that was better than anyone else's except maybe the elves, but the elves are a different story. As far as humans go, they were, they were the greatest healers there were. So, I think I, I I will I will see you this. Aragorn is definitely far more of a Christ figure than I think I initially gave him credit for. Um, but you are also talking to the person who, like, if you're going to pick one person in the world who's going to put Aragorn in the best possible light, that's his fair. name this is, is Ian Laborious. This is true. Aragorn is so much my favorite character of the Lord of the Rings. Now, if you extend it, there are some people from the Silmarillion I hey, actually hey. like better. That's, but that's against on, the rules. That's the difference. Let's bring it back. Let's bring, bring, bring it back. All right. So, the, before you unmute him, um, <laughs> let's... At the beginning, you were talking about how uh, the two things that you note as, as things that, like, we can draw theologically from Aragorn's character were one, his, his very Christ-like tendencies, which I think you've done a really good job of, of exploring, um, but two, the way that he faces temptation. And I'm almost wondering if that's maybe not an extension of his Christ-like character. Um, Jesus is like one of the, the early acts of Jesus's ministry. Uh, depending on which gospel account you're reading. Um, usually, the 40 days in the wilderness. Exactly. Where he's, yeah. he's faced with some of the greatest temptations known to mankind. First, the, the, the temptation to uh, put his own needs above those, the, uh, those of the world around him. Uh, then the, uh, the, uh, the temptation to have power. And finally, the temptation for glory. Um, and, you know, Jesus passes those, those tests. Um, but do you see parallels to those in Aragorn's story in the way that he's tempted throughout his, um, throughout his path? You know, I'm, I'm thinking yeah. especially of um, when he briefly holds the ring of power um, and, like, sees all of that flash and, and then immediately kind of, like, goes you know yeah that'd be fun but mm, i can't be yeah. i can't be doing this hands the ring to, to frodo again um yeah do you see yeah. other parallels like that between christ's temptation and, and, and Aragorn's? I, I i definitely see it my my thought went straight to at amon hen when in the movies frodo offers him the ring mm -hmm. and he 
he just closes Frodo's hand back around the ring and says, I would have gone with you to the end and then sends Frodo on his way and covers his back. I definitely see that parallel. And as I think about it, there's also another parallel, I guess. And I think it falls into, right, Christ became like us and experienced what we had, like, what we experienced, but he didn't fall like we did. He doesn't fail at that. So you have the temptation and Another thing Aragorn does numerous times throughout the movies and even and in the books is he weeps. He gets, he gets to the point where he is broken when he finds Balmir barely alive. He, you see him break at the loss of a friend and a comrade when they when Gandalf dies in Moria, you see him you see him weep, you see his sadness. But I guess this is where there's a distinction between his relate like how he's like us and how he is Christ-like is he doesn't let that sadness overwhelm him. He isn't like he isn't completely broken by it. It's there and it's visible. And he doesn't try and hide it and say, oh, I'm not, this isn't the problem. But he has a job to do. And this is especially after they leave, get out of Moria, Gandalf is dead. You have everyone crying. You have everyone broken. And then you have Aragorn who, despite that, despite losing a friend and comrade that he's known for, you know, 60, 70 years and been close with and learned from. You have him saying, guys, we have to move now. Like, you, we can weep and we can be sad for Gandalf, but we still have a place to be. And if we are here, when the sun is down, we are all going to die. We need to keep, so I guess I, I could have, I think I might have mistaken his humanity, but not falling for where he relates to us versus another, well, versus how he's like Christ in that Christ became human to relate to us, but didn't fall. So I can I can definitely see where personally I would have I mixed those up. I'm trying Come not on, to ben, be smug. You have something smart to I'm, say, and I want to I'm just hear trying it. not to be smug. That's all that's happening right now. Um, you can be smug. No, no so like <laughs> I, as I'm as I'm thinking back through this, I think there's just there are so many more parallels that I'm talking about. You, I mean, you mentioned the houses of healing. Um, and, and Aragorn and, and um, 
I mean, he, he goes around and does a lot of healing throughout the entirety of the trilogy. Yeah. Um, and it, it's not just in that house of healing. And, and like, as a, a king who also brings healing. Weathertop. Well, yeah. I mean, like, but that that's just, that's Christ that's like Jesus, through and through. Right? Yeah. Like, he's a king that brings healing in his wake. People touch his cloak to have their wounds and 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 infirmities healed. Um, like if you're in a, if you remember in Edgewater, that's actually in our gospel reading for this week, which is two weeks before you're going to hear this podcast. <laughs> but uh, so if you were in church on the 19th, you you, you heard that story. Um. So yeah, I think. I think it is worth worth exploring this this path of of Aragorn as as um, as the Christ like figure. I think the only like real hiccup that I see in it is his romance. Um, well, Christ in the church. Ooh, got you can him. draw parallels okay. there. There, that's fair. <laughs> Got him. Because and and the church because his 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 bay his girl what however you want to describe her um like her dad almost talks her out of it and she almost bails but then she's drawn back with a pro and and you could draw parallels with the church you know where there there are temptations there are um, people in authority who would try and and lead the church away from the gospel and and christ calls us back and and the eternity we're promised with with christ calls us back so boom but he but he <laughs> well i i guess the the exception i would make and i i read the books a very long time ago so i don't remember if there's any details does he ever reciprocate with um with the 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 chick from Rohan? What's no. her name? Eowyn. Okay. Well that that was my other thought. It's like did he like do a little no, okay. So it's, he's faithful. No. Yes. Even I mean, I think it's it's movie. more of a stretch than some of the other imagery. Yes, but, I would agree. But it's there. See, and if I you needed like... to force it for a sermon series, you could. <laughs> but but you have to you have to somehow argue that Arwen is essentially the uh like the stand-in for the entirety of the created order. And, and to a degree Wait, she is. To a degree, why do I is. have to argue that? Because if Christ is is marrying well, his church, then Arwen has to somehow be the church. And if it, well, here here's how I can here's how I can swing it for you, Ben. Oh boy, uh, Arwen is being sent away because should should Sauron survive, Arwen will die. Arwen is essentially an image for all the all that is good in Middle Earth. All that is good, all that is righteous. And if 
Sauron survives, she will die. Her light will fade and she will just be gone, which is why Elrond tried to send her away. Because Elrond did not have any hope that they would actually succeed. Yeah, he didn't want her to see that screen that comes up and it says your light fades away. That's that's a destiny reference for anyone who's even nerdier than this conversation, <laughs> but yikes. And I get the reference, so <laughs> I hate that screen. I hate that screen so much. So that that is that is where I would swing it for you, Beth. To appease that voice inside you that says she has to represent everything. To be the church. I still don't entirely buy it, but I'm I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. <laughs> it that one He wants to he wants to check some customer reviews first and uh, in, in the and see what of, consumer reports has to say. It's in the words of one me. of our professors from the seminary, it's something you can whisper from the pulpit, not shout. See, I thought you were going to go with a tree beard quote of "Let's not be hasty." I got it now. Okay, so here's the question: because I think we've we've fairly as as thoroughly as we're going to in a podcast in this format, I think we've pretty well covered Aragorn and and his christological nature. I can throw one more out there. Can I please? I, I don't need another one. Fine, fine. You asked so nicely. Fine. Mom, mom would be so, upset with me if I didn't encourage good manners. So, <laughs> the 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 last thing I have in my that'll makes him a Christological figure is his the storyline of the three hunters. He loses Mary and Pippin. And he proceeds to follow and chase them until he has gotten them back safe and sound, which is what Christ to a like what Christ does to us, what Christ did to his with his disciples over and over again. That that's my last one. That's okay. that's all there, I got. <laughs> there there is a like a very leaving the 99 to seek the one kind of aspect to that because yeah in the grand scheme of things mary and pippin are pretty useless in the story especially line. pippin right oh, mary at least has a couple moments but pippin's just yeah. he's a train wreck from start to finish um, <laughs> my question and this i think is probably more directed at you ben because i know oh, what the answer to this would be so we've had this conversation Okay. And I've I've made the comment offhand a couple times that that'll preach. Mm -hmm. Would you ever do a Lord of the Rings sermon series? Would I ever? Um, or do you? Th let me rephrase this. Do you think it would be a good idea to do a Lord of the Rings sermon series? And Ian, I'm not asking you because I know you'd love to hear a Lord of the Rings sermon series. Well, also, Dad wrote a Bible Josh, study on Lord of the Rings. Mute him, mute him, mute him. <laughs> So, <laughs> three. Um, so I think there there are three three separate questions that you're asking here. One, oh, wow. Is it, one, is it possible? Two. I thought we've covered that one. Well, okay, yeah. So yes, it's possible. Two. Uh, 
would I do it now? And would I do it ever? Would I do it now? Eh, probably not. Honestly, I can say this with as much um, regret as I have. Uh, I just don't know my congregation well enough to know whether or not any of it would land. Um, I know a couple of the people in the congregation have seen movies multiple times or know the books well enough, but I, I don't know beyond that. In future, if I was ever at a congregation where I knew I had the, the nerd level to pull this off, absolutely, absolutely would do. So what I'm um, hearing is, theologically, there's no problem with it. The question is simply, would it actually help anybody understand things? Yeah, that's, yeah. Could Which it be I a Bible is, study? Is fair. Maybe. Well, because you could show a clip at the beginning of each exactly. Bible study. That's no exactly. problem. Um, I mean, I, got, I, I don't know if this has come up on the podcast, but last month I did a five-week series on Game of Thrones. So I think the answer for me is obvious. Can, would, might do a series on Lord of the Rings. It's a lot more wholesome than Game of Thrones is. So, oh, the fuppers there. Also, Ben, you keep... Throughout this, you've said you doubted about Aragorn being a Christological figure. Here we go. I got my mute finger ready. I don't want to go into it. I want to throw something out to Ben for him to ponder. Like Christian Damn. Ponder, the failed Vikings quarterback. <laughs> scars. <laughs> Just mental scars. <laughs> ben, Sam as a Christological figure. Ponder that one. Okay. Because I, 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 I think if you look at it, you can, you can find it. Okay, but so... that's not for this podcast. <laughs> Dr. David Lewis has proven that if you're willing to look hard enough, you can find it with regards to almost anything or anyone. Okay. Sam, you don't if, have for to those look of, that hard. For those of you who have seen this, Ian, I don't think you'd enjoy this movie, but there's a movie called <laughs> The Big Lebowski. And he argues that's a Christ figure film. So if, if he can do that with the dude who looks homeless and drinks white Russians all the time, like... I feel like any good guy from Lord of the Rings is pretty easy to argue, relatively speaking. Um, Except anyway, for Frodo. I think, Never Frodo. Yeah, Ian doesn't like Frodo. I'm not a huge fan of Frodo either, but I don't think I, I dislike him as much as Ian does. Anyway, we're, we're, we're going. This is, we don't have a time limit on the show, but if we did, we'd probably be getting close to it. Um, so I think it's an appropriate time to ask for takeaways. And this is just one thing. If, if you're gonna, if a listener has put up with us thus far, what, what are we gonna, what do you, what do we want to walk away with? And I'm going to take the first one because I don't have the same knowledge base to pull something out as you guys do. And my takeaway is if you haven't seen the Lord of the Rings, you need to watch Lord of the Rings. That's that's your takeaway for this podcast. It it'll teach you something about Jesus. So watch it. Ian, what you got? I'll go last. <laughs> I knew this was coming and I still didn't really think about it too much. My 
I think my takeaway was, or is, after you've watched the movies, from Josh's takeaway, there are things you can see in those Christ-like figures that reading the Bible, you might not really put your, like, be able to wrap your mind around how you can do that. And in watching the movie and us pointing this, pointing out places where you have Christ-like actions, maybe look at that and think about how you could do something like that in your life. Go slay a Balrog and summon an army of the dead. That's what I just heard. Yep. That's, that's my right. realistic take. <laughs> if you can manage it, catch it on video because I want to watch that happen. Let's say, right. Ian, if, if I find a Balrog, I feel like we're all just in huge trouble. Because <laughs> to my knowledge, we don't have any magic to fight it. It's just going to lay waste to the world. We're, we're dunsies. Go yeah, ahead, but we... <laughs> anyway, um, I think my takeaway, it's not necessarily related to what we talked about today, other than it's kind of indirectly related. And that is like, it's important for us to remember that what we hold to in scripture, what we hold to in our traditions, what we hold to in um in the Christian faith is based on a story. It's a true story, but it's a story. Um, and as we look at stories, whether it's the Lord of the Rings or um, you know, Downton Abbey, I think there's a new Downton Abbey movie out. Um, like whatever your genre preference, preference or story preference may be, um, don't be afraid to see parallels between uh, the, the Christian calling that we have and the, the story of everything that we experience as Christians. Um, because when you see those parallels, when you see those analogies, they become connection points for you and they may become connection points for others when you are trying to share that story uh, of, of Christ with those who need to hear it. Um, so don't be afraid to engage in, in stories and in and parallels and analogies um, as long as you, you find them profitable for proclaiming well I mean even a dumb story can have profit for proclaiming the the, the, work, the, the reign and, and life of Christ but um, like if it is profitable yeah use it go for it Enjoy. We should have led with that takeaway to justify this whole thing. <laughs> you know what? It took me 45 minutes of us talking about Lord of the Rings to come up with it. So this is why we planned nothing. This is um, why we planned nothing, Josh. So for your own personal plans, uh, your plans to pray as, as, it, as they were. What a transition. Thanks. I, I live for the segue. Um, prayer ideas for you as, as you go about your week. Pray that you would see Christ and his work in, in all sorts of places. Um, and pray for him to continue to work in this world in a way that, that we recognize and we see. So um, 
So those are some prayer ideas. And shameless plug time, obviously. We, we referenced it earlier in the show, so now we have to do it. If you are like Ian and, and you have an idea for a podcast and you want to come on the podcast, let us know. We're happy to have you. Uh, if you are a personal friend or a uh, member at either of our congregations, go ahead and reach out to us. Obviously, we do this on Zoom, so you don't have to be near either of us to do this. Just reach out. And if you're not, if you listen to the show and you have no personal connection to Ben or myself, that is totally fine. Also really cool. We have a Facebook page. It doesn't put, we don't put a lot of stuff on it. It's mainly just there. So if you want to uh, send in a message with a, with a desire for a topic or a desire to get involved, you can do that. Um, and as always, you can subscribe to us on whatever your favorite podcasting platform is, whether except that's Pandora. except for Pandora. So Spotify, <laughs> iTunes, your Apple Podcasts, I think is what they call it now. Um, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, all of them. Um, and the subscription does a couple things. First of all, it kind of validates us a little bit. Like it makes us feel a little bit better to have a few more subscribers because we know we're putting in this time and this effort and it's not just to talk to ourselves, as fun as that is. Um, and it also helps you, you know, when we release extra content, you get a little notification, which is helpful. So, um, that's, I think that's all the shameless plugs I have. Brothers and sisters, go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thank you, God.